Welcome to the AEM Education and Training Podcast, a collaboration between Brown University Emergency Medicine and the editors of the Academic Emergency Medicine Education and Training Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. It's no secret that the emergency physician workforce has a problem with burnout. We know less about burnout in the trainee population or about how interventions intended to promote wellness are working for them. Today we're discussing a new paper in AEM Education and Training entitled Moving Beyond Personal Factors, a National Study of Wellness Interventions in Emergency Medicine Residency Programs. Lead author, Dr. Sumiao Lee Sauerwein, is here to discuss it with us. Dr. Lee Sauerwein is an Assistant Residency Program Director and Assistant Professor of Emergency Medicine at The Ohio State University. At OSU, she directs the Keele Resident Wellness Endowment and is Founder and Faculty Lead for the Residents and Faculty Female Tribe, or RAFFT, a Longitudinal Professional Development Curriculum and Mentorship Group for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine. Dr. Lee Sauerwein is a medical education researcher and is the founder and chief academic officer of the Academic Life in Emergency Medicine Education Research Lab and Incubator, and she serves as a core mentor in the ALEM Faculty Incubator. Her research interests include physician well-being and recognition and mitigation of implicit bias in medical education. We're so happy to have her here with us today. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Dr. Lee Sauerwein, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So your study looks at currently implemented wellness interventions in emergency medicine training programs in an effort to look at unmet needs and inform the future development of interventions to improve the wellness of trainees. But first, let's talk a little bit about the history of these interventions and What was known about burnout in the trainee population prior to this study? Because I think everybody listening has a pretty good sense of what burnout is. And we talk a lot about it affecting our workforce tremendously right now, especially during this current healthcare crisis. But at the residency level, what was previously published about burnout in the trainee population and the factors that contribute to it? Yeah, you're completely right. I totally agree that burnout has been an issue that has been recognized in the trainee population for a long time. Um, You know, up until recently, though, we didn't really have great numbers in terms of assessing the true prevalence of this burnout rate in the EM resident population. So in 2017, um, the Alien Wellness Think Tank, Academic Life and Emergency Medicine, actually launched a study to assess the prevalence of burnout in EM trainees. So they used the measurement tool of the Maslach Burnout Inventory. And they actually received 1,500 responses, and that was about 21% of all EM residents at the time of the study. And uh, as a result of that study, they actually found that about 70% of EM residents were burned out. Wow. Um, You know, as a follow-up to that study, um, one one of your questions was, what were the factors that really contributed to burnout? It's interesting. We actually performed a sub-analysis on the data from that study, and we found that there were certain areas that contributed to um, certain facets of burnout. So uh, essentially, as part of that study, 
um, they examined uh, what activities those residents were doing for their own wellness and self-reported sort of institutional support and programming that residents perceived as available to them. Mm -hmm. And they found that um, female gender and increased age and being a U.S. medical school grad actually slightly increased depersonalization, which is one of the facets of burnout. And they actually found that there were two protective factors to another facet of burnout, which is emotional exhaustion. And that was essentially taking breaks on shift and studying. Huh studying. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. And we think that that maybe, um, you know, it's hard to say what the chicken or the egg is there. Um, you know, are you less exhausted? So you're devoting more time studying? Or does studying give you more energy to sort of show up to work every day and feel like you're applying your learning and that you're growing? So uh, in 2017, the ACGME changed its common program requirements and started mandating interventions that would directly address well-being, and I'll quote your paper here, um, that they would be emphasizing that psychological, emotional, and physical well-being are critical in the development of the competent, caring, and resilient physician, which sounds like a very tall order. So did the ACGME give suggestions of how that might be best achieved, or was it just every program interpreting that for themselves? Yeah, absolutely. That is a tall order indeed. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I want to highlight that this language was specifically for accreditation of each of the U.S. residency programs across all specialties. And, um, you know, in these common program requirements, the ACGME does do a nice job outlining some specific guidelines as well as some background uh, for why they um, sort of in, implemented those recommendations. I really love the philosophy and the big picture behind these requirements. So specifically, they say that programs have a responsibility to teach well-being, just like any other aspects of resident competence, that um, they encourage a proactive attention of to life inside and outside of medicine to residents. They want residents to retain joy in medicine while managing their own real life stresses. They want residents to pay attention to self-care and then also be able to have the tools to support others on the healthcare team. So those are some pretty broad um, and sort of, uh, I think, mm -hmm. high reaching goals. Specifically in the language for those common program requirements, though, this is kind of where like the the importance is in the details. So um, one thing that they ask for is that programs help um, residents to maximize their feeling of meaning in medicine, which means increased administrative support, autonomy when possible, protected time with patients rather than spending time documenting. Um, they talk about optimization of scheduling. They talk about workplace safety for residents and faculty, which includes workplace injuries, but also avoiding physical and emotional violence and providing emotional support after adverse events like, um, you know, patient related adverse events. And then finally, specific to well-being. So there's language about protected time for medical and dental and mental health appointments. They talk about the importance of providing education on the identification of burnout and depression and substance use um, in for yourself, but also for how to help others. Um, and then also they encourage uh, the program to provide appropriate leaves of absence with appropriate coverage, coverage and no expectation of payback. 
So um, these specific areas are mentioned, but it really is less specific about how to achieve this on the program level. So each program has to report how they might meet this requirement. I think the end result, though, is that there definitely was a greater recognition of and emphasis on well-being across residency programs, including in emergency medicine, as a result of these common program requirements. So until now, there has not been a national assessment of existing wellness interventions. So enter, enter your study. You surveyed... 250 ACGME-accredited emergency medicine residency programs between March and June of 2020, so pretty much the beginning of the pandemic, regarding their existing wellness interventions. So tell us a little bit about your study design and your methods, and briefly about your survey questions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, after um, receiving the results of that burnout study, um, we knew that there was a large proportion of EM residents that were burned out. And we knew that there were programs that were implementing a variety of programs to try to combat that burnout and improve resident wellness. But we didn't have a true picture of exactly what each program was doing or what the majority of interventions were. And so being in charge of the research arm of the wellness think tank, I thought if we're gonna support trainee wellness, we really need to have that actual data. So as far as the survey design and the methods, as all good surveys should, um, we wanted to make sure that when we were designing the survey, it was iterative, it was based on a literature review for content validity, and that we piloted it. Um, in addition, you know, it's important to think about that study period is starting in March of 2020. So we definitely acknowledge that uh, COVID did impact some of the responses that we got, but the majority of responses focused on programs already in place before the start of the pandemic. So we asked respondents um, exactly uh, what the most successful wellness programs were within uh, their residency program. Uh, so the specific wellness interventions that they had implemented, including um, describing the frequency of the intervention, the monetary cost of the intervention, the time cost of the intervention, and who the champion was within the program. Was it a resident or a faculty member? And then we asked respondents to self-categorize which of the seven National Academy of Medicine factors it addressed. Uh, we reached out to all ACGME programs um, through the cordless serve. Uh, we actually had people fill out the survey in person at CORD 2020 and also reached out um, via direct email for non-respondents. And uh, typically it was program leadership or a wellness champion who responded to the survey. So you asked about how the interventions would be classified according to the seven factors identified in the National Academy of Medicine Model of Clinician Well-Being and Resilience. So can you tell us a little bit about that model and what those seven factors are? Yeah, you know, I, I really love this model. And it's um, the reason why it's important, I think, is because it really breaks down the things that impact clinician well-being into internal and external factors. So it's important to recognize that within the patient, uh, within the model, you know, it basically looks like a wheel with seven spokes, that the patient is at the very center of the model. So patient well-being and patient outcomes are the most important and core driving reason for clinician well-being. But recognizing that clinician well-being is essential to patient care. 
There were seven total factors, two internal and five external, that drove physician well-being and resilience. The internal ones really harken back to the ACGME aspirational statements uh, supporting resident well-being. So number one, personal factors like individual stressors, social supports, um, personal values, and a sense of purpose and work. And then number two being skills and abilities. So your clinical abilities, your empathy, your coping mechanisms, your innate resilience, and your organizational skills. Those are vastly outweighed by the external factors that the National Academy of Medicine recognized as impacting physician well-being. So one of those being society and culture. So like the expectation of a physician role and, um, you know, uh, intrinsic bias uh, and the role that that plays within uh, the provider and patient interface. Number two being rules and regulations. So uh, the burden of documentation or the presence of litigation uh, and the stressors of litigation, and then administrative responsibilities. Um, the third external factor being organizational factors like organizational culture and leadership, uh, whether physicians feel included and how well they're compensated. The fourth being the learning and practice environment. So how much autonomy you feel like you have, how much mentorship you feel like you get in career advancement. And then finally, healthcare responsibilities. So your clinical responsibilities, but also your teaching responsibilities. Okay. And a couple of times you've mentioned ALEM or academic life and emergency medicine. For, for those who are unfamiliar with ALEM, can you tell us a little bit about it and their education research incubator project? Yeah, absolutely. So ALEM, or Academic Life and Emergency Medicine, is a health professions education organization. And it's basically focused on social media technologies and using that for community building. It's virtually based. It's focused on medical education. And I think many people know it because it started out as an educational blog founded by Dr. Michelle Lin. It gets about 1.8 million page views per year. So the Wellness Think Tank was an uh, innovation driven by the uh, Academic Life and Emergency Medicine organization. And um, really the purpose of it was a grassroots collaborative to support resident well-being. So the Wellness Think Tank originally had been the organization that performed that burnout study that we mentioned earlier, demonstrating that about 70% of EM residents are burned out. The Education Research Lab and Incubator was the natural evolution or branch, branching off of the wellness think tank. Um, and really that is focused on wellness related research. So um, we wanna make sure that we're fostering collaborations across institu institutions, that we're doing medical education research on a national scale. And um, the current research is primarily focused on wellness. And I also wanna put in a quick plug that the Alien Education Research Lab and Incubator does do medical education research consults with medical education experts. So if you go to our webpage, you can actually submit, um, you know, your project idea as it is and get some early guidance on how to move forward. And that's really one of our goals, too, is to mentor and to foster new ideas. Awesome. So let's talk about your results. What kind of response did you get and what did you find? So, um, Within our survey population, we got responses from 90 unique U.S. ACGME residency programs and a total of 102 total responses. And within those responses, um, we found that 
most innovations were free, that faculty were involved in the majority of efforts. So about 80% were faculty involved or faculty led, about 20% were resident led. And that within the National Academy of Medicine model of clinician well-being and resilience, we had responses choose um, at least one area that they thought this in, their intervention fit into, but they could choose more than one area. And astoundingly, about 78% of those focused on personal factors. The next most frequent were organizational and society and culture factors at 32%. Hmm. So really, um, you know, within personal factors, the majority of those were social events. And that harkens to the connectivity that the personal uh, factors, references. But, you know, the downside of that is that trainees have demanding schedules and not everyone is going to be able to take part in those activities. And also that folks who are struggling may not have the emotional bandwidth to participate. And what did your analysis of the free text responses reveal? I think you identified five themes. Tell us a little bit about them. Yeah, absolutely. So we did a qualitative analysis on the free text responses. And really what we did is to have two of our authors go through with a fine tooth comb to read the free text responses and find themes and specific areas that kind of come up over and over. We had a third author uh, triangulate this. And essentially we found that there were five primary themes um, within those free text responses. So the first one was program culture. So really a lot of residents um, and uh, respondents um, who are faculty said that this uh, culture of wellness, of uh, culture of peer support, of having mentorship, of a program giving you recognition and appreciation for the hard work that you do, and then also um, emphasizing diversity and outreach were really integral to their well-being. The second theme was program factors. So these are more of those administrative things. So shift optimization, um, you know, minimizing uh, frequent night to day time switches, for example, um, integrating resident feedback, protecting resident personal time, and then also protecting time for program sponsored wellness activities. The fourth theme was environmental and clinical factors. So things like making sure that you have personal safety uh, you know, mechanisms in place, like a safe ride home after a night shift if you're too fatigued, things like optimizing the availability of nutrition um, and nutritious food on shift, things like reducing administrative burdens and uh, even giving wellness perks. Those were things that people cited for environmental factors. The fourth theme were wellness activities and practices. So um, really, these are like big picture, broadly recognized um, things that contribute to personal well-being, no matter your, um, your uh, specialty or no matter your job. And those include uh, recognition of practices like altruism, mindfulness, physical fitness, uh, stress management. Um, there were a few that were specific to emergency medicine, um, one being um, peer bonding activities, another being the presence of narrative medicine events uh, where you can share experiences. And the last one I think is very unique to EM residency programs, which is an annual resident retreat. 
And then finally, the last uh, theme were wellness resources. So having a wellness committee, having a wellness curriculum implemented in their didactics, having the availability of mental health resources, and then also not overlooking the last one, which is faculty dedication, because the you know, willingness to, of faculty to be present for residents, to formally and informally mentor them is such a huge um, contributor to resident well-being. So I imagine that currently, as COVID has unfolded, the challenges to resident wellness are greater than ever. So in much of healthcare right now, there is a lot of distress over the emphasis on personal resilience as opposed to changing the external factors contributing to bor- to burnout and to moral distress. So it sounds like at the residency level, we have work to do in this regard as well. Yes, 100%. Personal resilience is a huge um, uh, player in terms of how uh, someone is able to overcome the challenges of residency um, and also the challenges of being in practice for 10 or 20 or 30 years. Um, But really, I think it's so important to recognize that the environmental factors play a huge part. And those of us who have the ability to impact those environmental factors uh, have a responsibility to do so, to make sure that this generation of physicians who are practicing are well supported and feel like they have the resources to succeed. Anything else that you would like us to take away from this study? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think that really the big takeaway point is that um, for me as an assistant residency program director and as the faculty director of my residency program's uh, wellness endowment, you know, it's my responsibility to design and to advocate for a training environment where external factors are addressed and really emphasized, right? Mm -hmm. So things like a psychologically safe learning environment with a no blame culture of safety, um, making sure that we're streamlining administrative tasks, making sure that we're mitigating implicit bias towards physicians of different backgrounds, and then also addressing long-term things like resident professional development to support their work engagement and job satisfaction. So really, um, going back to the title of the study, Moving Beyond Personal Factors, like those social events are great and they're awesome to promote connectivity, but it's so important to think about resident well-being as something much bigger than that. Excellent. So thank you so much for your time and your work. I think that this is really informative and very important. It was fantastic to be able to talk with you today. And thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this AEM education and training podcast. Be sure to read the full text of this article available on our blog at brownemblog.com. Subscribe to all our AEM podcasts on Apple Podcasts search for AEM Early Access, all one word. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.